0: listening to the citizens podcast from citizens church in birmingham alabama church romans 8 ends with a certain theme and once you see the theme you can't help but see it everywhere else and it goes something like this that how powerful is love How powerful is love? Most stories in the movies and books everywhere start with love. They start with harmony, friendship, a community, a family at peace and bound together in love. But then something happens. The plot thickens. The crisis arrives that disrupts the love. We lose the peace. And the story goes on to say how powerful is the love to bring it back together again we could go way throwback to Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo. Romeo. It's a rewrite. (laughs) You know, I've become a playwright, guys. There's four weeks off. I just... (laughs) Romeo and Juliet's love is interrupted by their family and they can't come back together again except in tragedy in the end. More recently, we have the second highest grossing movie of all time is Titanic. We see Rose and Jack, they fall, up, fall in love, swept up in a romance below deck. But sadly, they eventually, it doesn't last. I think I can give a spoiler now historically and theatrically, the boat sinks. They're in this cold, frigid water, a young Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet embrace on this door and their love isn't strong enough. Jack sinks beneath the waves. The internet helps us here. There's lots of room on this door. Rose is like, it was a cool week, guys, but I'm not inviting you up onto the door. Love wasn't strong enough. Or something like this Frozen, a favorite in my household. The sisters have their secrets. Is their love for one another big enough to overcome? Or Encanto. Will the families see their obsession with their gifts? Over their love for one another, and that's what's tearing them apart. Or even recently with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Good movie. It's gotten mixed reviews, mixed reviews. <laughs> and basically, the plot boils down to can time and universes bring Doctor Strange or Wanda love? Is there enough room in all of space and time to bring love to their life? And the tension of every good story asks, is this love strong enough to overcome? Is this love strong enough to overcome? What will it take to put life back together again? And Romans 8 is teaching us the true, the original good story. And Paul ends the story in four moves, like a chess master coming out of Russia or somewhere like that. He drops this. He says, first, that if God God loves us, then everything's going to work out since God's love is the greatest thing. Two, however, then the worst thing that could happen to us is being separated from God's love. If God's love is the greatest thing that's ever existed in any universe, and he does love us, then the worst thing that could happen is us being separated, lost to the abyss. But third, yet Paul assures us in this passage that we cannot be separated from God's love because God's love can't be stopped. Nothing can come between you and God. Why? The fourth move. Because God has brought an unstoppable love through his son, Jesus Christ, to us. And it makes all the difference In the world. See, we make plans and we break them all the time. But when God makes a plan to love us, it's an unbreakable chain because God makes promises and God keeps his promise. Last week, we talked about verses 27 through 30 and they describe God's majestic plan from eternity past to make these four moves a reality. An unbreakable chain to love us. And he taught, Paul showed us that God foreknew you meaning he didn't overlook you, he saw you. You ever felt overlooked? You ever felt like one of the siblings? Ever felt kind of lost in a divorce? Ever, ever felt like you just didn't count at work? You always counted to God and he's seen you from forever past. He's always known you. And in knowing you, he predestined or acted on behalf of your destiny. God is not indifferent to our guilt before him. Instead, he changes your destiny by the work of his son. God's knowledge of you comes to his love for you in which he predestines you, as Ephesians 1 tells us. And God isn't passive but active, changing this destiny by calling you to himself. He's not just calling you to some safe area over here. He's saying, come to me, come to me, come into my family, come where eternity begins and never ends. Come to this place. God calls you to justify you or pay for your sins, removing your guilt by the work of the cross and all who God justifies. Everyone he pays for their sin, he also will glorify. That in death, it won't be the end, just as when Christ died, it wasn't the end, but popped out of the grave three days later. He guarantees all who believe and are justified by him will be glorified him to stand before God for all of eternity. Our story doesn't even end with our breath in this life, but goes on forever and ever because God's chain can't be broken. And his love was set on us before the beginning of the universe. It's a love that's stronger than death, as the song of Solomon says. And Paul wants us to meditate on this unstoppable love of God at work in salvation. It's the plan that's already underway in your life for those who believe. Paul wants us to stop, stop the train, stop our life, stop everything we're doing and say, how does the unstoppable love of God change your present change your right, right, right now in the room, because we're great at the past. We're like, hey, because of what Christ's done, my sins are forgiven. Awesome. True. Very helpful. Very needed. We're awesome at the future. Because of what the gospel has done, I'm going to go to heaven. My destiny has changed. Fantastic news. But we're not so great about what's it mean right now. What does the gospel, what does the unstoppable love actually mean about this second as you pull breath back into your lungs and push it out again? And that's where Paul is going to show us that there are four ways Four ways that change your present mindset to live entirely differently from our culture's expectations, entirely bigger than our individual personalities. These are things that transcend those and say, Christians, because of what God has done, shall live like this. And these four things, if we take them to heart, are enough to revolutionize how we wake, how we live how we eat, how we date, how we hope, how we grieve, and even how we die. And the first change of mindset because of God's unstoppable love is a Christian can live unafraid. Look at verse 31 with me. It says, what then shall we say to these things if God has an unbreakable train of his love coming to save me? What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who? Who can be against us? What a majestic line for Paul to pull our attention that if God's on our side, or rather we are on God's side, then who's left to fear? People can oppose us. People can misunderstand us. People can hate us. People can write us off. But God's plan will not be stopped. His power is greater than theirs. He's the biggest kid on the block. God is the one who's God, because if God is for you in following Jesus, then we don't have to be afraid anymore. Now, there's a natural fear of danger. If you're hanging out by a cliff and you give a little peek and you realize it is a cliff, there's a natural fear to say, hey, take a cautionary step, my friend. You know, you're on some of the trails at Ruffner over here. You get a little too close to the edge, you you pop back. Fear is a good response to keep us safe. But what Paul is talking about is spiritually inappropriate fear that's woven throughout all of the Bible to say, because you fear, love, respect, know, and belong to God, you don't have to be afraid of everything anymore. Fear doesn't have to be your motivator in your decisions and lifestyles. Rather, faith in God and his word can motivate you. That is a true place because we're called to know that we can live for God, knowing he is with us and for us to live by faith, a faith, a life, not dominated by fear. And listen to the difference. Listen to the difference of what if. What if uncertainty wasn't the enemy anymore, but an opportunity to trust God? You ever feel like uncertainty comes and it just sends off the panic alarm bells? And there's a good sense we should try to figure it out, get some more information and work on it. But there is another sense that we can say, okay, Lord, let's reframe this. If you're the God who's for me and with me and all powerful and his unstoppable love is mine, this is an opportunity to grow and change and trust. What if the next time change happens Your boss is switched out. What time next time change happens, you have to move? What next time change happens, that something changes in your family? It doesn't have to be debilitating anymore, but it's a moment to see what God has for you. Instead of fearing the worst, stepping into it, saying, my God has not changed. My circumstances sure have. That's real. But God hasn't. What if disappointment doesn't have to spin you out into a spiral of fear? We're not great at dealing with disappointment in the American culture of win-win-win. What if next time you had a disappointment, you could just soberly evaluate why you're disappointed, what happened, and be comforted by God instead of spinning out? Church, you don't have to carry a backpack full of all the worst case scenarios that could happen anymore. That bag is too heavy. Those rocks are unhelpful and it's going to knock you over. You ever carried a backpack that's too heavy on a trail and then you stumble just a little bit and your ankle twists and you fall onto the ground. And it's very embarrassing. Speaking from direct, direct, direct experience. I know a lot of you struggle with worst-case scenario thinking. You can't help it. Even in a space like this, going to school, and there are bad things that happen in this world, for sure. But carrying all that weight is not for you to carry. It's too heavy. And the unstoppable love of God is just can clip it off your back to say even if all those scenarios come true, God's not going to leave you or forsake you even for a moment. What would it be like to not spin into those cycles again? And Paul is hammering home that God's on our side to follow Jesus. He's not just on our side for anything we want. He's not a genie. This is not Aladdin. But God is on our side to follow Jesus. King Jesus. We can live out that Old Testament drumbeat of being strong and courageous because God truly is with us. That even when we fail to follow Jesus, God's still truly on our side to help us get back to following Jesus. We know God's agenda for our life. It's to follow his son, Jesus Christ. If you're wondering, what should I do? What should I do? Follow Jesus in whatever the situation is and you can have a thousand percent confidence that God is with you, for you and going to help you accomplish that very thing. God's will for your life is to follow Jesus and God's character to help you, to help you never changes. Our friends may be up and down, hopefully more up than down. Our family may be up and down and helping us, hopefully more up than down. Our employment, all those things. Have you ever considered there's not a moment, second breath of your life that God wasn't for you to follow Jesus and help you accomplish such thing? He's not like a boss who won't answer the email. He's a God who's listening and with us and even praying from inside of us and praying from heaven for us all the time. Christians can live unafraid. Unafraid and Christians can also live without debilitating worry verse 32 he who did not spare his own son to clarify here god the father who did not spare his own son but gave up jesus for us all how will god not also with jesus give give graciously give us all things. If God is willing to send his son to solve our problem of sin, how will he also not graciously give us everything good for us in this life? And it challenges chronic worry because worry boils down to two related things. We worry that we will lack something, that in the future I won't have the money, I won't have the food, I won't have the X thing that I'm putting my hope in or we worry about uh, what we'll lose, that I currently have this thing and that I'm going to suffer a loss and I'm no longer going to have it. And worry about not having enough money or not about getting a job or the future or worrying something will disappear, but everything that we have or lack, gain or lose, actually comes from God's gracious hand anyways. That is a wildly different perspective on all of life than this world has to offer you. That God actually is responsible for all the things we have or have not have. He is. And to be honest, when I think about what I worry about the most, I worry about losing a child. If you want a preview of a little YouTube clip of Justin's nightmares, it's losing Eloise or Tyler. There is nothing even close to that when it comes to worry in my life. But my worry forgets that God gave me Tyler and Eloise in the first place. They're not my kids. They're his kids always. I'm just a steward being their father during this sweet time together. I didn't earn or deserve my kids. They're a gift, as every child's a gift. Not only is God gracious to give us anything that we could potentially lose. We can trust God's heart because he chose to lose his son, Jesus, to save us. God doesn't have to save us. He wants to save us and is willing to pay the cost of losing his own son to save us. And that's a God we can trust in a worrisome, broken world. God's not uh, ignoring how troubling this world is. He sent an actual solution in his son to it. When we lack and when we lose, there's a God we can turn to and actually see we can trust this God. We aren't promised a pain-free or a loss-free life, but rather Paul's pointing out we have a God with an impeccable, perfect, unchanging character that we are not fools to hope in. We're not foolish at all to hope in this God. And if God was willing to give up Jesus for us, then we can know that God's not holding out on us in this life. If you've been around here long enough, you've heard me say that before. What if we dropped the attitude that God's holding out on me and started to believe God has never held out on you for a second because we know he sent his son. He sent the most precious thing in the universe for us then he's not holding out on you with the job or the house or the spouse or whatever thing that you are getting bitter at God for. It's misplaced. We can be sad over those things, but we don't need to be bitter at a gracious and good God who's given us all things in his son. The unstoppable love of God is more than enough for us on our best day and our worst day. His love doesn't change. And there's a healthy level of nervous or worry about specific worrisome things. For example, if you get on 59 out here, driving along, and the car starts shaking, starts rattling, starts doing a little smoky smoke from the hood, a little bit of worry is a good thing. Makes you kind of say, hey, it's time to pull over. I should not be confident in the future of this car's driving. I had a girlfriend in college my freshman year. I was very impressed. I wanted to show her my car. We were going on a date to a Braves game, and that exact scenario happens. So I was a guy with a broken car on the side of the road. A blessing. I would find Elena later. Ta-da! You know, it worked out. But all things work work for good, right? Uh Uh-huh. God will provide what we need to faithfully follow him in this life. Our justification is going somewhere. It's going to our glory, our glorification. Paul is teaching not that there's never a moment of worry. He's teaching to not let worry be your way of life. Don't let it be your way of life. Don't let the first thing you wake up with is your worries about the day. Christians can be unafraid, we can be without worry, and we should live without unhealthy shame. Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Now, justification means declared righteousness, like like in a courtroom being declared innocent, or even better, declared not guilty. We once were guilty, now we're not guilty. why did we did we uncommit all of our sins? Nope, We all did those sins, but Jesus, His life, has been given to us His perfect record to stand in our place, to take our guilt and give us His perfect life to us. That's being justified or declared right. But most of us live in terrible fear that one day the charges are going to come. that one day we're going to be accused, we're going to be wrong in front of a bunch of people, and that's called shame. And if you're like me and like most of the people in this room, shame is so big, it can motivate and run huge parts of your life. When we pretend we don't sin, that's shame whispering in your ear. When we perform for the approval of others, that shame speaking into your heart. We are motivated by shame when our biggest fear is being exposed in our sin. We are motivated by shame when our biggest fear is if someone found out. Shame has that much hold the scarier that sounds. We're motivated by the gospel or justification when our greatest desire becomes to obey God who loves us best, who loves us always, whose love can't be stopped, and we're just not too worried about who knows about our sins and failures anymore. What would it be like if you just weren't all that worried about who knows what about you? Because God knows it all and already declared you justified. Imagine never defending yourself in your head again. Imagine even when you're innocent and someone accuses you of something, what if you just weren't even all that worried if you weren't believed in the meeting? Imagine this, because you're safe in God's love, that when, you, when you're safe in God's love, when you're accused and actually wrong, you don't have to defend yourself. You can just own it and change. Yeah, of course I did that. I'm, I'm so sorry. It's time to change. What if when your spouse said, hey, did you do this? It wasn't a war to talk about it. That because shame was no longer your master, but the sweet salvation of God's justification, that you could own your sin when you did do it, and when it, and, and you didn't have to hide it at all. And you were free. Justified people are free people. Because sin is not their God, it's not their master. They have the son Jesus Christ as the bright point in their life and it's burning away the darkness in their heart. That's my hope for you citizens. I want us to be the free people. Not in some super sense in the future, but right now. Sin doesn't have to be slavery for you anymore. And it gets even better. We can live unafraid we can live without worry. We can live without shame and we can live without guilt any longer. Verse 34 it says, who is the condemn? Who's there to bury you? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who is interceding? Fancy word for praying for us. Who will be left to condemn you at the end of your life? God's answer is no one that you'll get to the end of your life. Your guilt is gone. Your sins are forgiven. And what's more, there's one judge left. And it's not your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your neighbor, your friend, your boss. It's none of those people. It's Jesus, and he's praying for you. He's the judge you want. That when you get to this judgment, you will be standing not on your record at this final judgment, but Jesus's. He will be saying, well done and good and faithful servant. When the second judgment of believers comes, it won't be a judgment for punishment, but a judgment for rewards. The same rewards that Jesus is currently praying for you to do in this life. Yet most of us walk around with kind of a self-condemning, self-loathing, guilty conscience. I don't want to be flipping about that. I'm in that club. I have a sensitive, a sensitive conscience that makes it feel a vague sense of guiltiness all the time, whether I've done something bad or not. Jesus is saying, we are being taught that we are the uncondemned people. Jesus is cheering for us. Cheering. Maybe you've never had an authority figure in your life cheer for you. But boy, it makes all the difference in the world. To know Jesus is cheering you on to faithfulness and obedience. Ephesians tells us that our sin does grieve the Spirit. If you feel guilt over something that you can see and identify, repent and repent quickly. Better yet, because you don't have shame, repent and tell someone else to help you stop sinning. But It's time to let go of feeling condemned all the time for no good reason. Because we've spent time comparing ourselves to others and other unhelpful things. You're free, church. You're free. Look at what 1 John 3.20 says. It's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It says, even if we feel guilty, Let's say you're struggling, feeling guilty. Maybe you had an awesome weekend at, a, at the lake. I had a friend once who said, man, I went with my friends to the lake. We, we had a good wine. We had steaks. My friend bought the lake house just for us all to go celebrate him, getting married. It was a sweet weekend. It was one of the coolest weekends of my life. He's like, I just feel so guilty to be so self-indulgent and enjoy all that. And I literally looked at him. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never felt that one day in my life. But I realized some people do that to enjoy anything in life has to come with a vague sense of guilt or shame. Look what this says. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and He knows everything. Your feelings aren't actually God. They're real, but they may or may not be true. Even if your heart condemns you, even if your heart feels guilty, if there's no definable thing to repent of and you're a believer and you're in Christ, God says, well, he says that. That even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and knows everything. What if he just woke up and started trusting God that he knows it all? If there's something to repent for, do. If not, you're uncondemned. Moving on. Condemnation is not your story if you're in Christ. God's greater than your heart. He's greater than your feelings. You're free. And if your feelings don't match the gospel, it's not the gospel that's off. God is greater and His love is unstoppable. Just like the movies above, God's love is enough. We can't be separated. Verse 35, it just keeps getting better. This is the freight train of God's love in your life. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's going to get between you and God? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it's written, For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Scripture teaches us that there is nothing and no one who can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing in this world that's going to come between you and God. We can be sheep in this life. Have you ever been around a sheep? They are not aggressive. They are not like taking the world by storm. They're getting slaughtered all the day long. If we're getting slaughtered all the day long, if things are going terrible, Scripture's promising God's love's not running out. It's not running dry, gun violence, cancer, struggles. We could go on, but God's love is unstoppable. It's unfatigable. It's indomitable. So when you sit in debilitating fear and worry and guilt and shame, I'm going to tell you the truth, church. You're just wasting time. You're just wasting time that you could be soaking in a bathtub of God's love instead. Fear, guilt, shame, those are not great motivators for your life. They are not great things to strive for. They're not great things to live for. But the unstoppable love of God can compel you and control you to a life-following Christ, as 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, let the love of God compel you. Letting God's love motivate you to live for His glory instead of submitting to fear, worry, shame, and guilt as your God. I don't want a functional God of my vague feelings of shame. Those are not to motivate Christians anymore. Guilt and shame bring short-term results, but no long-term change. The world runs on these things. Watch the news. They use these same fear, guilt, shame, worry things to get your views. Next time you see an advertisement, see, are they selling me fear, worry, guilt, shame to get my money? Next time you feel like you're being manipulated, I bet it's fear, guilt, shame, that the person's trying to use to get you to do something you don't want to do. But the unstoppable love of God is our motivator now. That's why Paul said, slow it down. We need to talk. This is what it means. Verse 37 through 39 tells us even more. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who loved us. The guy loves us. The guy is dying for our sins. He loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things in the present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, God's love is a freight train without brakes for you, it's unstoppable. Everything that could come between you and God, God will push through to his son and daughter to bring you home. Nothing will get in his way. And the healthiest Christians I know are the crushed ones. The ones that are overwhelmed and flattened by the love of God. Be a Christian who can't get over the gospel. That is absolutely hit by the unstoppable, untamable, no way to exaggerate love of God that's stronger and wilder than you ever know. What would it be like to know that God wildly loves you more than you can conceive? Every time you're like, that's how much God loves me, you're wrong, it's more. You're always wrong and it should bring you not to despair, but awe. That's why we worship, because it's big enough to have awe that God's love is unstoppable. And I keep saying it because I want you to believe it. Because I know part of your heart saying, that's true for them, but not for me. That's true for my sister, but not for me. That's true for that person's life, but not for me. And it's the opposite. It's true for you, church. It's true for all who have trusted in Christ. All who trusted in Christ can walk through this world humble. Why? Because we've done nothing for this love. It's the free gift of God. We show up to life not as conquerors, not to act like bad things don't happen or don't matter. In fact, bad things happen all over the Bible in our lives, but we show up to life more than conquerors, full of humble courage, knowing that we're loved and Jesus simply isn't letting go. He's better than Rose with Jack. He's made space for us to save us. Jesus puts it this way in John 10. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Jesus is promising that He is holding on to you far stronger than you will ever hold on to Him. He says, the Father has given you to me to be held. Then the Father holds us too. And then the Spirit is burning through your bones if you keep reading in John that all members of our Trinitarian God are locked into your very soul and are never, ever, ever letting go. You are inseparable from the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And this is the unstoppable God that's never letting go. Will tribulation separate you? That's a fancy word for the end of the world. No, there will be a new beginning with God. Will distress separate you? No, even if the people closest to you all die and you will have horrible, powerful feelings of grief, God promises to be near you. Shall persecution separate you? No, even if the world hates you, God simply loves you. Shall famine, disease, or cancer separate you? No, if your body wastes away, God will be resurrecting you. Shall nakedness, shame, or pictures of you on the internet keep you from God? No, God says you're his, and that's what matters most. Shall danger or the sword, even murder or a shooting? No, for this is not the only life you will ever have. Shall angels, demons, users of magic come between you and God? Nope. God and his gospel are simply bigger and stronger than any of those beings or any of the promises of any religion or magic. God's love is more powerful than anything in the universe. It cannot be stopped, and you simply cannot be separated from the love of God. And if this sounds too good to be true, if it sounds almost fanciful, if I'm telling you about a country you've not yet visited, It only feels that way because we only experience this in tiny glimpses in our relationships now. That's the magic and mystery of relationships. To be loved by another human gives you a tiny glimmer of a fraction of how God loves you. And sometimes you get a longer glimpse. I'm really thankful that Elena's given me a long glimpse of the love of God to me. I'm really thankful that in two to three years of citizens ministry, I think we're starting to get a glimpse of God's love to one another. And that gives me cause for joy and celebration. But let those beautiful moments in the relationships you have point you to God and also encourage you that God can use you the same. If you want to reach your friends, reach your neighbors, reach your family, be God's love and truth to them and realize that God wants to use you in that way. Church, I want you to meditate on when God's love has been real to you through another Christian. A, go thank that person. Two, ask God that if you could replicate that same love again. What a powerful thing to think for the next week or month or year. We can live by the Spirit of God to rest secure in the love of God. We can live by the Spirit of God to rest secure in the love of God. That's the gospel cement for a new life. That's the things that change the inner workings of your very heart. There's healthy fear, healthy worry, healthy guilt and shame can be good and have appropriate roles in our life. But because of God's unstoppable love, we don't have to be dominated by fear, worry, guilt, or shame anymore. That's a wildly different mindset of a Christian who's motivated and dominated by the unstoppable love of God. So I have a question, church. What are you letting stop the experience of God's love in your life? It's not true. It doesn't have to remain. We just talk that all things, nothing can separate you. What's stopping you from experiencing his love again? And are you willing to let go of that and choose to bathe in the unstoppable love again, of God again? I call God's love a freight train that can't be stopped. And here in Birmingham, we have no big notable river so instead, the builders of Birmingham filled our city with train tracks and trains. And so if you're like me at night, you hear the trains kind of whistle through the night at you. And I want, you to, invite, I want to invite you that every time you hear a whistle of that train at night, that it would remind you that God's love is a freight train for you. That each whistle would be a reminder you never forgot that God's love is unstoppable. And it's for you, church. You've been listening to the Citizens Church podcast. Special thanks to Murphy DX, who recorded our theme music. If you'd like to learn more about Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama, you can visit us on our website at citizensbhm.com or on the usual suspects Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.